Good morning, campers. Rise and shine. That was just Groundhog Day the other day, so I guess I can say that. Um, how's it going, everybody? Um, actually, I'm going to do the responsible thing today, even though I am not right on time. Not late, but not right on time. Um, and read this section that I'm probably going to go through today. So we're working on our journal, my journal. Um, the overall concern of this journal is to really just move in the direction of asking yourself better questions. Um, I know it's crazy, but it's just like, all right, why didn't that work? What could have been better? Um, lineouts. Any process neglected? Did you take extra time setting the first lineout? Maintain standards? Any issues? How were offsides in the back line? Malls? Throws not straight? Any questions about lineout laws? Where did you stand? Why? What can you see from that positioning? What can you not see? Lineouts. Um, yeah, lineouts are, to be honest, it's one of those areas, as long as you keep in mind that everybody wants a clear contest and that you can keep that going, then everybody's pretty happy. Um, as long as there's not some clear, obvious cheating or, you know, doing something wrong. Um, yeah, lineouts, I mean, there's two rules of thumb that I really use. Um, vary where you stand and get your feet moving. Because my, my struggle, for me at least, when the open play and breakdown was, I would wait until the throw was gone. I did this as a scrum half as well, which kind of sucked. Um, I'd watch the throw until it hit their hands. Like, so throw all the way to the back. Wow, that's a nice jump. That's a great, that's per everything's properly executed. Oh, shit, now I'm 20 meters behind play. So, yeah, you, you want to kind of be like, all right, the moment they, they throw it, get moving. Now, lineouts are an area also where there is a lot of intricacies with the laws that are like, you don't see them a lot. Like with breakdowns, like you see 100 breakdowns a game or 200 breakdowns a game. You get used to it. You get used to what the big no-nos and the big okays. Excuse me. Um, so with lineouts, you only see, I don't know, 10 or 20 of them a game, maybe. Um, and most of them are kind of like, all right, let's get this over with. They're not like a, you know, a massive, I don't know, that's my thought process. Just kind of like, you don't get as much of a repetition to it. So, get the basic things in play. Um, I mean, very where you stand. I was taught by one of the greats, uh, put the sun at your back. If there is no sun, pick a four, one of the four corners and go from there. Um, I know everybody's worried about the not throwing straights. I, I, I guess the big thing that I would say to that is, Set your standards early. Um, personally, unless it's an issue, I choose not to get involved. And I, I talked with one guy about this, and he was a far better referee than I am. And I was just, I had just done my coaching cert, and I just looked at him, and I was just like, and he's like, any thoughts? And I was like, yeah, I just wondered why that, that tunnel was so narrow. And he's like, well, is it a problem? And I was like, Nope, that's a good answer. He's like, if it's not an issue, why would I get involved? And that's a great, you know, overwhelming, you know, strategy for almost everything. Just, it's not an issue. Why, why are you mucking it up? Um, if it becomes an issue, if it, I mean, but the thing is, in that moment, what he really said was, it's not about me to dictate what kind of rugby they're going to play. It's up to me to dictate whether that is on the side of the law or not. You know, 
a narrow jump at the line-out tunnel where they're having a good contest and there's nobody dragging anybody from the air, we're good. Um, again, the thing with lineouts though is it's safety. Okay, so get your safety rules in place. Anybody touches anybody in the air, nobody, I guarantee you, nobody will complain about that penalty. Any arm on the shoulder, any hand on the shoulder, any, you know, throwing them over and not trying to bring them back. I mean, that's a weird one, but it's like you got to actually attempt to. You can't just launch the guy over the tunnel. This is not legal. Um, but any interference with anybody in the air or one of their jumpers before they come down and have put their feet back on the ground, penalize that right away. Like, that is, a, that is one of the easiest statement penalties, just as somebody stomping on somebody's head is. It is a safety issue. And it is a very fundamental safety issue. Because this is arguably, you know, paired with, you know, the hooker's positions and scrums, one of the most dangerous positions. We are literally lifting someone into the air at full arm's length. They're, they're like, their full body length above the air. So, in the air. So, why would we not be like, hey, let's be as safe as humanly possible about this? Um, and guess what? The guys who are doing the pulling on them are usually the guys that are getting lifted. Um... And so they understand that the next line out, it could be them getting dragged down. So they're not usually, it's usually a mutual respect there. Um, so nobody complains about that. You get a hand on the guy, you drag him down even a little bit off, you know, ping him, done, see ya. And that's, that's, again, like this is one of those, there's different severity of penalties. And this one you have no leeway in. You penalize that every single time because that's just safety of the game. Um, one of the struggles... Good morning. Um, one of the struggles I always had was um, in uh, maintaining uh, my back line staying back. I always kind of focused on what was in front of me, and I struggled to scan. Now, this is helpful if the attacking side is throwing in. And you're on the attacking side at the 15. You see the ball go up. Now, the main thing here, this is just the one trick that I, I learned over time, and it's a pretty simple one, actually. Um, say that goes to the throw, the jumper. Jumper catches it in his hands. If he comes down with the ball, the lineout is still in effect. He has not passed it off. He has not handed it off. A mall is possibly going to form, but if he comes down with the ball in his hands and he doesn't toss it from the top, they still have to stay 15 or 10 meters back. That's just, that's the law. That's the line is not over yet. Okay? So if he comes to ground, if his feet hit the ground, usually what I tried to do is I tried to be like, you know, only I'm only turning like 15 to 20 degrees, but bang, snapping a look at the back lines. If they're still creeping forward, I put a hand out say hold or something like that. And then they just kind of scan back and, you know, just bang, bang, bang. A couple quick head turns and you should have it. Um, but that's something that back lines will constantly creep up or shoot up or do whatever. And that way, if you don't have ARs, it's nice to just be like, all right, hey, keep them honest. Keep the standards high. It's difficult to do and I'm not very good at it, I, admittedly. Um, but that's one area that most of the hanky pank is going to happen right there, in in the front, or with the with the forwards. But that's always something where lineouts are. You have to understand that lineouts are a tactical choice. You put the back lines back ten meters. 
There's nowhere else in the game you do that. Even in scrums, it's five meters. So that you want to ensure space. Like the thing is you want to ensure quick ball, you want to ensure a fair contest, but you also want to ensure space. Um, so going from there and just understanding that, you know, there's, the whole goal of this is to ask better questions about your process. Why did I stand there? What happened? What did I miss? What did I, you know, all these different things. It's just like, is there a better, is there a better position for me to be in? That's a good question. Um, you know, simple things like that that are just like, okay, let's improve. Let's keep getting better. Um, so the lineouts are there. Um, also about lineouts. Just go over your mall rules, mall laws, excuse me. And just, and the thing is with the lineout, it's always something that is an area where I always pick something up and I'm like, I don't know about that. I'm going to look that up later. You know, you just make the call as it is. Mm, excuse me. Um, as you see it, but I think that when you kind of look through it, you're like, all right, I need to really re- go back into the law book and understand what it is there and what the what the issue is. So I think that's always a, an area of constant improvement for me. Um, but again, I, I think the focus is if it's not a problem, if there's nothing illegal happening here, why am I getting involved? Um, in a driving mall, when the mall is like driving towards the line, really be aware of, I mean, the number one thing is whether someone's pulling it down and someone throwing their body underneath or like joining, quote unquote, joining the mall and then just managing to go underneath still is, you know, very dangerous for the people in the mall. And it's, you know, one of those tricky things that you kind of got to look at and use your judgment. Um, Anything pulling down, anything entering from the side, that's always the thing that they think you don't see. And it's possible you don't see because, you know, the mall is like a big, you know, oval. And you don't always get to see the other side because I'm, as I said before, I'm five foot six. I can't see over these seven foot behemoths, um, even when they've been over in a mall. Um, So, yeah, I kind of look at that and be like, I can't really see everything, so that's where I rely on my ARs, or I've got to move. I've got to move in this situation. Um, I think the other thing is I would just enter from the side. Like People just are like, hey, if I hit it here, I'll get much better of an impact. It's like, no, you have to hit it from the last foot and go from there. And if you swim up the side and swim around the side, guess what? That's not legal either. Ping. But, but yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I, I think the only thing that I'll really do... I saw this. I saw a friend of mine do this one time. He set the defensive side. First line out, he spent an extra five seconds. This is the first line out. Spend your five seconds. Slow it down a little bit. Gentlemen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set the defensive line. Attacking side, you can set wherever you want. However close you want. Defense, here's your mark. Everybody's in line with you. Number one, everyone's in line with you, okay? Yes, sir. Okay, beautiful. Excellent, thank you. Then you go to the front of the line out, you you make sure that the throw goes five, you make sure that everybody's performing the way they are. If you need to slow the game down, if they're inching closer, then slow the game down. Tap on the whistle. Hey guys, can we maintain that space? Open, please. Open. If they're not listening, you stop the game. Hey, hold the ball. 
Guys, how are you doing? Hey, uh, we just talked about this. Let's keep this space open. Okay? Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. And you're off. You know, one of those things that it's uh, not overly difficult to do, but a lot of people forget to do it. A lot of people forget to look at it and be like, this is important. I'm setting my standards high. I'm not just sweeping over it. I'm saying that's not good enough. So don't be afraid to, especially with early on, set your standards. I mean, it doesn't have to be like, hey, you need to tie your shoe or you need to go one more inch. And it's like, look, a lot of this is just guys, hey, I'm asking one thing. I'm just setting your defensive line. Everybody else get back 10. You know what you do. Don't have me treat you like children. And sometimes you have to treat them like children. Because sometimes you get levels of game where they have no idea what the heck they're doing. And there you have to logic through it and be like, hey, is this a teaching moment or is this a, hey, buddy, it's not my, ter- it's not my chance to teach you the law. It's not my job. Not my job. You know, I remember I had a, I refereed the uh, New York State Boys Championship one year. And it was Xavier versus, I think it was Harvey. And Harvey had a great game. They played, they played very well. and um, But they pulled in this guy, and he was this absolute monster of a guy. You know. And they pulled him on, and, like, the, I, the, the high school games up in New York only go to 70 minutes. Um, so they pulled him on in, like, the 60th minute. So I'm like, all right, there's... Thinking as a coach, there's a strategy here. This guy's got something good about him, but he's also got things that are really bad about him. Um, he might not know the game, or he's incredibly strong, and he's learning the game, or whatever. It doesn't really matter. But you, you know that somebody put on in the 60th minute has some pros and cons. There's a reason they didn't start. Um, and so, guy comes in, makes this great thumping tackle, lies on top of the ball, and then tries to push the ball back towards his teammate after the attacking player has played it, all while he's off his feet. And I'm like, okay, there's about three penalties here. And I, I just... But it was the most blatant professional foul. And the thing is that in that situation, as I looked at it, we had had 60 minutes of excellent play where we didn't have any of that, no you know, real any problems with anything... It was all going smoothly, and this standard of play entered the game. It was something. It was something else. It was something so blatant because, as I described that, that doesn't sound so blatant. But it was just a very obvious. Hey, buddy, that's a professional foul. That's not the standard of play we're doing here. And the captain came up to me, and he just knew it was happening. And he was like, "Sir, he's new to the game." And I kind of looked at the captain and I said, "I understand, but not at this level." And I gave him a card. And, uh, but it was just kind of like, and everybody on the side, like nobody looked at it and was just like, damn it. He was harsh on him. He was like, no, that was the right call. So I I think it's just kind of funny to be like, Hey, maintain your standards and don't let it slip. It's not our problem that it's not our turn to explain to them that they need to be back 10 yards. You can tell them once you can tell them twice. Hey, I need you back further. They rush up the moment the ball is thrown. Guess what? I'm going to ping you. And then you escalate from there. It's like, hey, I've told you. I've told you again. I've told you three times. So, But I'm going to go to work today. I will see you guys later on. We'll talk about the breakdown. Yay. Hello again. This is the end. Um, no, it's not. 
but um, this is the beginning. So I had a pretty good day. I, uh, you know, had moments where I sat on my phone and didn't cut hair. And then I had moments where I cut great hair and had good conversation. And, um, yeah, just made me reflect a little bit on how my life has kind of gone the way that it has gone. I kind of went to school and, or went away, came back, went to school, changed direction, went to school, changed direction, got a piece of paper, went to school again, changed direction again, and, um, went across the world again, and then, uh, ended up here, where, um, it is a very, very different, um, perspective, and I, I didn't, if I, anybody would have told me this 10 years ago that I was going to be here, they'd be, I'd be like, huh, that's funny. <laughs> but regardless of that, we're just kind of, um, had a good chance to chat with a couple guys who were in college and I'm like, look guys, it's okay to change direction. It's okay to try something different. It's not like, Hey, I've decided for this major. I must finish this major. It's like, no, you can change it up a little bit, you know? can try different things. You don't have to go to college. There is 80% of people who are not working in the field that they graduated from. I have a client of mine who is a doctor. He has taken his, you know, bachelor's, master's, and a doctorate. He does not work in that field. Not that anything close to it. So it's just fascinating to me that it's, people are so stuck in that mode of, I must go to school, I must go to school. And it's just very stupid. Um, yeah. So, anyways, um, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to try to tie that into what I'm talking about now, but I'm talking about the breakdown. This is um, such a fun area if you're able to allow it to be fun. Um, this is really just sheer diagnosis. Now, this is the point where you asking very in-depth questions and really just almost asking just too many questions about it is really helpful because then you understand what's going on. But the sheer number of questions that you can ask about this is fine. But in the end, it's going to boil down to how did it go? Did I stick to my process? And did I keep my standards high? How did it feel? How did the breakdown feel? Okay, if this body's lying on the ground and this guy's doing stupid shit and, you know, you don't know what happened or something weird happened or you pinged him on a law that you weren't really sure about fine, but how did it overall feel throughout the whole game? You know, I told a story in a previous episode about a guy who um, I wasn't coaching. I was just kind of there. I had the next game, and I was just walking around and kind of keeping an eye on the sidelines. And the sidelines were getting frustrated. I didn't really see much of the game, but I noticed that one team was lying on top of the ball and making no attempt to roll away. Now, the rule of thumb when dealing with the breakdown is these people are going to do this until you make them stop. And you make them stop, not by talking to them, but by penalizing them. Sometimes making them stop can be talking to them. But there is a very clear process for escalation that basically pushes them to saying, hey, look, it's much more in your benefit to listen to what I'm saying and penalizing you for for example, if a team is lying on the ball and the referee does not penalize them for not rolling away or losing their feet around the ball or whatever you want to call it, if the referee <laughs> does not penalize them, guess what? 
The referee is then condoning them to sit there and be lie on the ball and kill the game that way and make it a nuisance for the other team to get the ball and slowing the game down inappropriately. The referee is condoning it by not penalizing it. Does everybody understand that? That's kind of a tricky one, but by not penalizing it's a call or a no call. You're either allowing it or you're not allowing it. Especially in the game of sevens where the, the penalties are much more clear. Um, a no call is just as powerful as a call. For example, if we look back two weeks ago when the Los Angeles Rams played the New Orleans Saints, there was a very, very obvious no call. No one can say that that no call was just as powerful as a penalty. It was not as powerful as that penalty. That was the game in one nutshell, and there was a no call. Now, there's other things into it, but that was a no call. The ref saw it and judged it okay. I'm not, you know, pleading for that man's case. I'm, I'm saying he biffed the call, but I've biffed calls too. None of them have been anywhere near as close to that that magnitude, but I've definitely biffed calls. So here we are. Um, I don't think I was trying to. The point I wasn't trying to make was you're going to biff calls, but the no call can be just as important. So you're making decisions every single time of the breakdown. You need to understand what your process is. Now, again, going back to the breakdown process, which I talked about a couple days ago, um, has there been a tackle? Okay. Has there been a tackle? Has there been a clear release of the ball or any opportunity at all for the ball carrier to play, place, pop, pass the ball. Okay, now this is a, remember, the release is clear. Release is important. An arriving player, a player who has not had their hands on the ball before the player being tackled, is does not have to release. Okay? Now what that looks like is difficult. There's usually somebody hanging on around the ankles, dragging them down. Okay? That's very clear. That's the tackling. If they have brought someone to ground, though, and they are on their feet, their try line is to their back, they are on the right side of the ball, and they have brought someone to ground, and they clearly release. This kind of looks like a gorilla, like pawing the ground and stuff like that. They brought them to ground. They make sure they're down, and then they place they their hands come off the ball, and they go back into it. That is a clear release of the ball. Now, whether it's a clear release or not is up to you. That's your call. That's not my call because I can't see what you're looking at. But you have to clear whether say whether it's clear enough. If people are just have their hands on them before their shoulder hits the ground, before they are held to ground, guess what? You can ping them. You know, it's not a carte blanche. It's not a do anything you want. But in my estimation, there is no better way to clean the game up and making sure there's a clear release on the ball. Now, the tricky thing is here, you have to find that that balance of a fair contest. You have to have things you're looking for. Has the arriving player or the, the player attempting to poach, have they maintained their feet? Have they come from the right side of the ball? Are they, do they actually have hands on the ball or are they just kind of hanging out of the person? All these things are very big factors. Then. Are they staying there? Once they get hit, are they getting hit in a legal way? 
and have they survived the clean-out? If they have hands on the ball and they get pushed over, they're off their feet, then they've got to release it. And it's tough, really, really tough to pin that down and say, this is exactly the way it is because this game happens so differently and so fluidly. If you think they've done enough, they've earned enough to do that turnover, then you give them the turnover. However, you have to maintain that standard. You have to do that for 100% of the game, all 80 minutes. You've got to do it. And if you can't do it, penalize them. They didn't do enough. Have them do more. Set the standard higher. Do whatever you want to do. But again, this is the really tricky part without showing you images of what it is. You need to have a fair contest over the ball. And you, as the referee, you need to be consistent. If you can do that, fantastic. Everyone will be happy if you're consistent. That's the thing. If you can be consistent on the breakdowns, everyone will be happy. Even if you're a prick. Like, I, I've played in game. I mean, again, I think the game flows much better when there is a, a, a tackle, a clear release over the ball, a fair contest over the ball, which is consistently refereed throughout the entire game and clearly explained. And then, basically, those are the, the tenets of a great game of rugby. The scrums can be a mess, the lineups can be miserable, but if the breakdown is clean, guess what? The game's going to be at least a 60%. Now, you, you pair that with a good scrum confidence, you pair that with understanding the lineouts and the open play and the positioning, you're going to do just fine. But the breakdown is the nuts and bolts of the game, in my humble estimation. Um, and I, I think that if you can referee that quickly and clearly, then and manage well. Um, I think there's nothing that can stop you. So going back to the breakdown, um, I think the really big thing is just keep asking questions, keep diagnosing, keep understanding more and more and more. And um, if you can do that, the game gets so much cleaner, so much better. Um, What else do I want to say about it? breakdown talked about what you want to see how you can see it um, the one thing I will say about the breakdown again and I will reiterate this in more sessions it is very important that you get to the breakdown you know now when you're refereeing in sevens refereeing sevens is so cool because you can understand what's happening because the game is happening with one or two bodies maybe three or four but very rarely three or four because that's a good, you know, almost a third of the game right there happening with one player on the ground and four bodies over top. That's five people out of 17, 14 people, excuse me. Um, That's a third of the game hanging out right there. You got another player passing, you got six. You know, it's it's a a whole maelstrom over there. You got all this open space. So what, but the, the thing that I'm saying is the decisions they must be cleaner and clearer. If you are not on point with those decisions, then the entire game suffers. Or the call or the no call is stupid. And um, it's very, very crucial. Excuse me, it's not stupid. It's very crucial that you are aware of your process and what's happening because it happens so much faster, especially in sevens. 
the problem with 15s, or the difficulty with 15s rather, is that there are so many more bodies lying on the ground. There's so many more people in the ruck. There's so many more hands on the ball that the offsides is muddled um, because there's a lot more bodies. Again, you can't see everything. And in sevens, oftentimes you can referee from 10, 15 yards away because you don't need to be there. You don't have bodies in the way. You don't have to see all this different stuff. Very simple. So, I um, yeah, I, I guess the, the process that I, I think of with the breakdown is keep asking questions. If you didn't feel good about the breakdown, ask someone you know who is um, a bit more of an authority than you are about it and just continue to push, continue to push, continue to push, continue to push. Because if you really get the breakdown down, if you go on YouTube and you find a game and you pause it and you do that correctly and you get that smooth, the game gets so much easier. It really does. So that's my random blurb on um, the breakdown. I know it wasn't incredibly helpful or end up, but I hope that it helps some of you. And it's 8 o'clock and I just got home. So I'll see you guys tomorrow. Yay!